and action. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, quadrupeds, and cold-blooded animals of all sorts, welcome to the podcast. That's right, the podcast. Plan words, it's clever. Hope you guys will enjoy that name. My name is John. I'm Tony. And we're here today to bring you... Uh, a, a show that is hopefully informational and entertaining. Our mission is to open some eyes about some uh, some common issues in the herpetology world and the hobby. Herpeticulture as well. Her- herpeticulture. And um, hopefully there's some, some things that we'll touch on that, that isn't available out there anywhere else. Yes, that is, that is our aim. Um, we want to... We're going to get right into some uh, some interesting things that we have seen, uh, reptile-related news, um, within the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's a lot going on. We're going to try to keep you updated if there's any type of um, any type of legislation. They're continuing legislation. Uh, is there's actually there's a, a battle in New York is heating up. I don't know. If, did you know this? There's it's a battle good. heating up in New York right now about uh, some specific uh, types of animals that are being kept there. And um, they keep finding all these damn alligators in the sewers. So we're trying to cut that out. No, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah sure. No, it's, uh, it's dangerous. There's, you know, little kids looking for baseballs down there and getting gobbled up. Um, so first thing I, is that, I, that we wanted to, to mention. It's just um, bad parenting. It is bad parenting. <laughs> why, why would you let your kid down in the sewer? You know, there's gators down there. Um, <laughs> that, of course, is a popular urban myth. Um, I actually, uh, I, live, I live in Brooklyn. Never seen a wild alligator there. That's probably that's probably a good thing. I, I think that's probably a good thing. I'm 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 happy about that. Have you? What's the last wild gator you saw? Uh, Georgia, actually. Georgia. Okay. Georgia fishing uh, trip. The borough of New York, Georgia. Uh, I didn't think they made that official. Oh, this, okay. The state. Oh, the state of Georgia. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Not the country either. So. Uh, okay, <laughs> right, of course. Not the Eurasian small oil producing country. <laughs> um, actually, I'm glad that we brought up alligators because the first article is uh, is from mentalfloss.com, which is a, a delightful um, periodical, uh, just kind of to challenge your uh, your mental uh, trivia and state. And they want you to, you know, they want to give you some some interesting facts. So this article is about how we got to some words in the English language. They were kind of uh, bastardized by the way that they were said, the way they were stated, and uh, the word is alligator. Um, And in this article I read that alligators came to English, the word alligator, excuse me, came to English from the Spanish explorers who first encountered, Tony, El Lagarto. Of course. Which is Spanish for... Uh, Big lizard? The lizard. Very good. Very good. The grande lagarto was the big lizard. Um, so they encountered that in the New World, and then while the big lizards were for a time referred to as <laughs> lagartos, the L accompanied often enough that it became inseparable as part of the English language word for alligator. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Latin, of course, for alligator is terrible lizard, I also believe. Is that, is, is that, is that correct? That makes sense, sure. Sure. You know, if you've ever watched any of those uh, swamp people or anything like that, yeah. it's not surprising that the word became bastardized. Am I right? <laughs> very, very true. Let's, let's be very, I don't, they're not real fond of using the Latin in that, <laughs> on that show, I noticed. I'm sure. Um, there's also another, another cold-blooded related word. Uh, that would be newt. 
I don't know. Did you know this one, Tom? I know a lot about Newt Gingrich. Yes, it was. Yes, he's he's a Latin, the Latin American former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Um, no, this word is for the uh, the the amphibian. Uh, the confusion about which word the N belonged to could end up swinging either way uh, for Newt. Uh, Newt was originally an Ewt, E W T. Um, okay. The they have a, a quote of when this was used back in the old English is the carcasses of snakes, oots, and other serpents were seen. But an oot could easily be misheard as newt? A newt, yes. A, a newt. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty so clever. I put that turned, together. Yeah, that's, you know, it's similar to the uh, the Al Lagarto one. That's um, just an interesting tidbit about uh, the way we speak our language. Um, we like to have fun with it. <clears throat> As it relates to herps, of course, which uh, is nice. Right, okay. uh, that's right. If you're a big herp fan, listen, we got plenty of herp stuff coming up. If you're not, if you're already turned it off, then we'll be very disappointed. <laughs> if you're not a fan of the this, English language yes, in general, right? If there's, okay. if there's any for our Spanish-speaking listeners, El Lagarto. All right, and if the topic for today is uh, we wanted to talk about something that a lot of um, herp fans, people who are, are uh, involved in the reptile amphibian hobby. Um, obviously something that comes up pretty early on is the shows and expos and things like that that you can visit all over the country and all over the world. There's some really um, big-time international shows like the Ham Reptile Show and, and things like that. Um, which is? Which is in Germany. Okay. I think. There may be some reptile, <laughs> some I've reptile never been. lay people. We wanna, you know, I've, never, sure. I've never been over there, but uh, I hear it's wonderful. Um, there are some big-time uh, big shows that people who live in the Northeast, like us, dream of going to or make their vacation plans around, like the Daytona show. Right. Or, Losers, or, as most people are called. Yeah, basically. Um, the best show around us is Hamburg um, in Pennsylvania. It's out there in uh, uh, Amish country. Yeah, named uh, after the German town, Hamburg. Of course. I don't know if you, if you were familiar with that. The Germans heavily populated in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Continue, though. All right. Those aren't not cold-blooded, the people, I mean. I'm going to wake myself up after that comment and go on here. <laughs> um, well, people who are new to the, to the hobby, they want to know about the shows. They want to know. They're going to go to whatever show is closest um, as their first experience, most likely. Um, but is then that they a mistake? To, no, it's not a mistake because, you know, you're new to it and you want to see what's out there and, and you're just, you know, you're going to, you're going to, Put the le- the the least amount in that you need to as far as travel expenses right. and, and time and things like that because you don't really know what you're getting into even if you think you have an idea it's still you know it's still really unknown so and that's what we like to call we that's where the hook gets set in I think a lot of people do that they start off casually and yep. then next thing you know your basement's filled with um, with water pump yeah basically like my basement like the basement we're sitting in now <laughs> but. Um, so they'll, they'll ask around, and, and this is why we want to hit this topic um, early on here, is because a lot of people ask questions related to the shows, what's out there, um, and, and, and also we want to we talk about why, because there, right. there are very um, common reasons um, throughout, I mean, around the country, why certain shows will have uh, certain animals available and other ones won't. Um, why can you get a hatchling turtle in... Daytona, Florida, but you can't get one in White Plains, New York, when the four-inch law um, is a federal law. And the four-inch law being? Um, Came into uh, effect in 1975 because 
people were, um, well, I should say children were, everyone knows about dime store turtles in the, um, in the olden days, back in the 60s, 50s, um, right. 70s. And um, still in current day, you can see people um, well, some, yeah. peddling. You go to Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn, you're gonna, someone's yeah. going to be selling you a turtle. Sometimes. And um, the, the hatchling turtles were, were then sold um, for very cheap with a death bowl, which is, which, uh, is the, um, the nice way of saying, uh, basically, uh, it's a plastic see-through bowl with a little palm tree in it. Um, right. re- and, and they would sell these to you, um, basically trying to let you know that it was okay, you know, that they wouldn't grow like a goldfish, like, like the, uh, the beliefs about goldfish. Right. So, um, anyways, kids were taking these little turtles, putting them in their mouths. Turtle go to the bathroom in their mouth, and salmonella. The rest is history. Boom, yeah. Right. But so many other animals carry salmonella, and um, the turtles just really get a bad rep for it. Anyways, 1975, they made this law. You should, mm-hmm. let's, I mean, to paraphrase, they mm-hmm. could, instead of just making a law, they could have just said, hey, little dumb kid, don't put a living thing in your mouth. Obviously. Would have been, that's what actually it could have been called. You know, and I thought it was, I thought mouth. it was the most foolish thing, even for a three-year-old. Yeah. It, the most foolish thing to do, like, I, I don't understand why you want to put it in your mouth. I mean, to, to hold it, you know, to play with it, maybe. To I, that's one mouth. of the stages of development, oral stage, but I mean, that's, I guess, yeah. you know, where were the parents at, as M&M right. said. Right. You know, and why would, um, yeah, why would a three-year-old be left unsupervised right. with any and, animal? Right, exactly. Even here. if it is small and, and yep. seemingly harmless. Especially if it's small. But you know, I thought it was. I've always thought it was ridiculous. I went down. I was out herping. Go ahead and make fun of me all you want. Anyone? Herping listening? is the act of running around outside in a small amount of clothes, trying to find reptiles. This is my best man right here. That's that's basically exactly what he said during his best man speech to to explain to all my family members Our what lifestyle. this weird word was that kept right. coming up in his uh, yeah. in his speech. You get a lot of weird looks when you say uh, herp in front of a bunch that's of people right. that don't know what you're talking about. So, anyways, I'm out there herping. And this guy, so there I was. <laughs> I'm, I'm going after turtles, which is my um, reptile of choice. Um, so I'm going out. I'm going. I'm catching. Uh, you know, caught a couple snapping turtles, common snapping turtles, um, a couple eastern painted turtles. This is when you're a, a wee a, a lad. No, this was actually last year. This was recently. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This so is the story about when you put them some in your people. Mouth or no? Some people don't grow out of this type of behavior. <laughs> uh, so, Very anyways, true. I'm down there, and pe- I've 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 drawn a bit of a crowd, and by crowd I mean four people, which is which is pretty exciting. That's big in this industry. That's, <laughs> That's very right. big. That's right. So, anyways, I grab I get this this little painted turtle, very small, and I I hand it to uh, I hand it to a gentleman to um to hold, and he's there with his kids, and he gives it to his son. I'm not giving it to the kid because no. I know. Right. And the kid goes to put the turtle in its mouth. I couldn't believe it. I swear. And, um, yeah. So, so maybe those legislators did know something that we don't know. Yeah. Kids are dumb. I, I don't know. I don't want to alienate anyone listening, but your child is a dumb. I don't know why <laughs> you can't put a leopard gecko in your mouth. Right, right. Or Well, they squirm much more. You can't. I'm sure. They're yeah. harder to hold on to, I would say, a I'm leopard sure. gecko. They might... They might let their tail go. But uh, so uh, back at getting, getting, <laughs> right, turtles don't drop their shells. <laughs> As we get back, uh, getting back to the, to the topic where we were mm-hmm. saying um, the effects of the four-inch rule, mm-hmm. um, they, they differ. It, it depends on where the show is, and you, it differs what you can get and, um, and what you, uh, you know, each show has, its, has a specific kind of a forte. Yeah, that, that basically trickles down from each state's law because right. states will enforce laws um, – Different ways as they see them. Some states right. have a, some states have a, a state 
regulation on top of the federal regulation that, right. that, that regulates that stuff. And some states enforce it and some As don't. For instance, do we have a good example of one? Like, I know, like, you can't – in Wisconsin, it's illegal to, to make love to a badger. Is the state animal? Is it something like that? Wow. Um, is there, I don't know. A, is I don't there a reptilian to... equivalent of that? My friend, I don't even want to know how you know that. Well, just... um, that's, that's a longer story about why I'm not allowed in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> but we're not going to... I bet. You've always been an animal lover. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Very true. Very Terrific. true. <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to... We, again, we're going to get into that topic now um, a little bit more. We're going to start with... Are we going to start with some of the breeds that are... Some of the types of animals that we can find at a specific... Yeah. Or are yeah. we going to talk about a specific expo? So, I mean, we were just talking about how um, different shows will differ. I mean, if you go to the Hamburg Reptile Show... And the White Plains show. These are just two examples that I'm probably going to use a lot because I have a lot of experience with those. Um, right. We as, again for the, for the listener, we live in the Northeast. This is, um, you know, this is how we deal it. So you can again find the equivalent to, you know, if you're living listening out in Albuquerque, you can find the Albuquerque show and find out the Picadillas. We don't really know that, but we're going to give you what we do know. Right. Right. So the difference between White Plains and Hamburg are vast. Yeah, they are. And they're they're extremely different. You know, different one you can buy hatchling turtles and and venomous snakes and the other it seems like they only allow ball pythons in the door. It right. it doesn't it, it it can be really it can be really interesting and really frustrating if you live near White Plains and not by the other shows. Right. And especially Unless you're ball if you're, python if you're trying to get into the hobby as well that can be, you know, you can go to White Plains and not and only get a, re- a very small slice of what you're looking for, and vice versa. If you're looking for some really interested morphs of ball pythons, and you go to Hamburg, you're going to be a little more disappointed than if you just went to White Plains because there's, you know, we're not we're not White Plains bashing here. Love that show. Yeah, yeah, but, that's um, true. It's it's they're yeah. just very different. Bruce Loader and I, very good friends. Very good. Friends. I'm just kidding. I just know his name he's, from. He's all the dropping names. That's the <laughs> the brother of Kurt Loader, the famous MTV. That is not true. Not true. Okay. That's not true. All right. He so, brought us um, a lot of important news in the 90s. Um, <laughs> so where were you when you found out Kurt Cobain was killed? Uh, Listening to Kurt Loader, right? Probably. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know that he did that. He, he delivered that one. <laughs> um, that's the one that sticks out. Anyways, so even in two shows, like the two examples we gave that can, be, that can differ a real lot, there's always some constants. Leopard geckos, bearded dragons, ball pythons. You're going to see a lot of these things. African spurthides. Yeah, African spurthide tortoises are going to be everywhere. Um, now leopard tortoises are starting to show up a lot. Yep. Um, Readier sliders, usually adults. Yep. Uh, even in the places where you can't sell the the, the, tur- the turtles or tortoises under four inches, the readier sliders are everywhere. Um, and then, uh, again, with the with the four-inch law, which we were talking about, um, Russian tortoises, matamatas, red-foot tortoises, you'll see a lot of um, adult um, examples of... of uh, adult specimens of those species because um, they're imports. So you, you should know that as a person going, hey, I want a tortoise. Well, that Russian tortoise is cheap. They don't get that big. That's great. You should know that that's coming with a parasite load from another continent. So right. uh, there's a pet store down the street from me that um, I go into once in a while when I just need, you know, whatever, some basic stuff just, just quickly because it's close and convenient. And um, they have a redfoot tortoise, a Herman tortoise, and um, a Russian tortoise in with bearded dragons, all four of those species in together, which is just, it's just maddening because three of those are going to be wild-caught imports. They're all going to have their own different 
parasite loads, and they're all going to affect each other um, in, in a very negative way. Tony, I have a good question. Um, is there any time when putting a bearded dragon and a tortoise or turtle, to, uh, obviously knowing the difference, together um, is, is a good idea? Never a good idea. Never a good idea. And why, quickly, why? Turtles and bearded dragons don't go together because bearded dragons, not very strong swimmers. Well, that's, yeah, well, if you're talking about turtles, right. okay. Tortoise, what, I mean, yeah. talk quickly about, uh, about if I want to have a bearded dragon and a, you know, an Indian star tortoise together, why would I not want to do that? Well, even if both are captive bred, so you're not dealing with the, the parasite loads that, um, that we were talking about with the last examples, um, they grow at much different rates. A bearded dragon is going to be a, an adult in no time, and right. that thing is going to see the other animal as a snack. Right. Um, they, they can be very aggressive. They can change overnight. I used to breed bearded dragons in the past. Uh, I know you recall, John, there was one time I when did. I had 19 bearded dragons, which for me was a lot, a um, little more than I should have had probably. And that's it was a lot for your housemates at the time. That's well. true. <laughs> that's true. You should never have housemates and 19 bearded dragons. If you have 19 bearded dragons, you should you should live yeah, probably pe- solo. People, you, you got to pick. You got to pick between 19 <laughs> bearded dragons or other human beings. <laughs> An understanding life is different than, than housemates. Right. Um, well, there's that reason. Another reason, obviously, is that they, they feed on different diets. So you're not going to be able to catch every bearded dragon um, piece of feces that ends up in that tank because you're just not going to be there all day. Right. Now, if you've ever kept bearded dragons, you know those things can be pretty potent and obviously not probably going to be nutritious for most tortoise species. And the tortoises are, are undoubtedly going to end up eating those um, right away. Right. Um, I mean, it's just it's just a bad idea for it's so many reasons. It's a terrible idea. Okay, yeah. that's true. It really is. Okay, I'm, I think not we're to gonna... mention the, the stress of the animals too. But please continue. That's right. That's it. Obviously. I was I was I, I, the point being that it's unhealthy for both animals to keep them together. The stress is one part of it, and the things that you mentioned are the other, the other things. As I was hoping you were going to say, the stress because that's what I was thinking. In my head. Well, a lot of people don't even realize if you keep two animals of the same species together, you can uh, it, captive environments are not where these animals were adapted to, to live. So even two animals of the same species in, in a seemingly, you know, very appropriate environment may right. not be, may not be that. And the, right. and the stre- Already, stress right. can kill an animal. Right. And, you know, you'd be responsible for, for that. You right. have to be really careful about you it. You don't want to have a little turtle heart attack on your <laughs> I don't want to have to have that on my conscience. No way. Um, I think we're going to take a second here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another piece of, uh, of news news-related, turtle-animal-related news. I think we're going to... Is that, is that cool? We're going to do that for a second here. If you're asking me, yes. Um, okay, I, well, you're the only other person here. <laughs> so, yes. I don't um, know if you were doing, like, a kid's show where they yeah. ask the TV and yeah, wait three um, seconds. If you, if, you, if you agree, then applaud. <laughs> okay. Great. Your silence is deafening. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is another article I found on Mental Floss. They were talking about... Um, and this is something that Tony will definitely... Uh, both of us will be able to give some insight to. Uh, they're talking about uh, ways to get animals to breed. And um, in this specific uh, article, they mentioned Galapagos tortoises, which is um, obviously an ongoing process. It's always something that you want to be continual breeding because there's a finite, um, a more finite amount of these animals on the world. Um, so, like, as a, for instance, when I, I – this is a common mistake. When I was trying to breed my leopard geckos, didn't do much, um, much scientific work. I usually just put some candles – on in the room and played Bon Jovi. He really did. He and really did. um I, not you know Bon Jovi's not for everyone. And 
species, you know, it's a species-specific thing, mm -hmm. apparently, uh, which I was really flabbergasted by. But uh, there is not, but it, it's, that sounds silly, but listen, listen to this clip, all right? This is, um, they have, at the London Zoo, there's a pair of Galapagos tortoises that they were trying to get to, uh, to mate, and they were treated to some, quote, ethereal tunes by French pianist Richard Gladerman on February 7th. The musician serenaded them with songs from his latest album, Romantique. Um, it's some some rousing uh, piano music, uh, including the Chariots of Fire theme. And um, they played that while these two animals were supposed to be getting intimate. And um, what what ended up happening uh, at this fancy zoo was absolutely nothing. The, the, <laughs> the music had no effect at all on the mood. That is so strange. Tortoises. I can't believe that didn't work. I, like I said, I mean, maybe that's the problem. Could have been what they were. You play Chariots of Fire. I mean, that's not species specific. No one's, <laughs> no one's getting excited about Chariots of Fire. <laughs> maybe if he had played some Bon Jovi. I mean, I'm not even a, a huge Bon Jovi fan, but you know, um, I just I can't believe that this is the news that gets out there. Maybe they're just right. they try to to gear it towards people who are uninterested to try. To, right to to gain some publicity. Well, that's I think that what it was is um is the the musician was looking for uh you know a come up to get his name out there. Oh, of course, and yeah. So it was. Well, you he, know. They, I'm sure the zoo paid him. Zoos have. But you know, any zoos have um, as for... we say in the hobby, uh, any newts is good newts. So we'll Back to the newts again. <laughs> I love newts. Unbelievable. We'll um well I, I'll take it. See, this is and I think that we probably differ in this. I'm fine with uh with antics like that because anything to stir the national conscious to our little. Four-legged friends. Yeah, but I think you do it at a at a cost because I also think that it, uh, obviously any press is good press, right? right? This is some press. We're figuring out about we're finding out about this across uh, you know across the pond, so to speak. But like, it's just anyone who knows anything who's ever kept an animal knows that that, and they probably don't. Well, they, they I'd don't. like to That's think the they thing. do. I'd like to think they would. Well, this is the thing is that if... It's it, just ridiculous. If something like that turns... Obviously, there's not a lot of merit to playing music. We don't, you know, there's no way that we're going to know how that will affect a different species. I think that there's ways that you can back this stuff up with scientific research. Right. Obviously, we've heard classical music helps with the development of human children. I can't remember ever hearing a scientific... Uh, a, a scientific study uh, conducted that said, you know, with, with some kind of Chelonian species, that, that helps. If it's out there and you know about it, please contact us. I'd love to hear about it. That yes. would be the most interesting read I've ever had about turtles or tortoises, and, and that's saying a lot. That's a I good really point. take that seriously. That's true, and it's a good point that if you are interested in contacting us, you can get to us at the Turtle Room. TurtleRoom.com. Um, I'm... Obviously, I, I introduced myself. I'm Tony, but uh, my email is Anthony, uh, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, at theturtleroom.com. Right. So for, if you have any questions, comments, likes, dislikes, anything you want to say, uh, you can send those on to, to that email address. Um, you know, until, until this really blows up, when we'll have to get our own email address. I think you'll be able to handle the traffic probably for the first First couple of, uh, of of decades or so. That I don't mind. This. I've got all day to do this. I know you I've do. got a very uh, relaxed job situation where they let me. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm unemployed. It just means that my job is is very lenient and let's, lets me do my thing. Let's hope your boss is listening to this. <laughs> That's good. I have to remember not to let him know that we've done this and and he should check it out at his leisure. That we've done, <laughs> that we've done what? <laughs> um, all right. So then, so back to the topic. Let's um, let's move. Let's talk about. Um, 
if you mentioned some of the breeds that are readily available species. Sorry, excuse me. Some of the species, right? Because there's right. I'm common misconception. My, my culpa. My culpa. It's all good. This um, stuff happens. Some of the species that are readily available. Let's talk about if you're going to uh, a, an expo, whatever expo you're going to. Why would you want? What do you want to look for if you're starting? What do you want to look for if you're um, if you're an expert? What what kind? What different things do you get at say the Hamburg Show? Okay. Um. What you're looking for is basically going to be a lot based on what your interest is. But you should know why certain things are more abundant. So we have a tendency as reptile fans to want to, it's like the Pokemon thing. You want to catch them all, but you also, you want to go for the rare, the rarity. So something you haven't seen yet, that's, oh, wow, that's so cool. Let me take that on. You have to be careful not to take on too many projects, especially if you're planning on breeding. Another thing is so many reptile species are extremely rare in the wild. Right. So, I mean, if you're dealing with rare, rare animals, then to keep them, your goal should always be to breed them, not to just have pets. Right. And this is kind of a, this could be considered as a controversial thing. A lot of people, um, you know, there's animal rights people that would look down on something, a hobby like this. But I mean, in the end, that's why if you're trying to breed and improve the quality of life of these animals and trying to keep their, them going as a species, giving them a little help when they can't, you know, there's... Spider tortoises can't turn on Bon Jovi when they need it. Hmm. You know, they just they just don't have it in them. Mm-hmm. They lack, um, you know, they lack MP3 players. Right. As a as a, as a species. Um, John brings up spider tortoises, which are my um, they're they're my my most important project that I personally work with right now. Yep. Uh, they're from Madagascar. They are extremely small, which is in, very important. And this goes back to what I'm saying with what you're interested in, but also know your limitations. I live in the Northeast, uh, unpredictable weather, extremely cold. As much as I love sulcata tortoises, as much as I love can't do it, big snakes or whatever else is out there, it's not smart because That's I'm not going to be able to help a species right. in my cold environment if that animal is is so any this, this any is type the, any any anything close to moderate in size. And this is the perfect tie-in to what you want to look for if you're going to an expo. You don't there's a lot of stuff that you can, you, you'll see some chameleons with excellent colors that are crazy. You need to research and know how they can be housed. And if your home and your area of the country is is conducive to that. Right. A lot of people think sulcatas are awesome. And they are. They're very cool. But they get to be massive. And when we say sulcatas, we're, of course, referring to Central Chile's sulcata. Uh, or the African spur-thighed tortoise, right. which is actually, a lot of people don't know this. Um, they just see them at the shows. They think they're a common animal. They are very rare uh, yeah. in the wild, yeah. and um, their their situation is, um, across Africa is not looking good right now. Right. Um, too, much, too much turtle soup. Yeah. Served out there. Sure. The shredder got to them. But having having said that, though, that's, that's a, a success story in a lot of ways because their population... Yes. Is, is booming there's i mean like you said they're you know they're all over the place yeah but as far as to make you know to continue that trend and make sure that this species stays you know on the up and up you can't just start buying them and putting them in your house in new hampshire they're probably the most popular tortoise species in new york city right. which is 
absurd. Right. Absolutely absurd. A little but, silly. And, and what you need to realize is there's a reason why they're so popular, okay? A, a herd of sulcata tortoises, you can have, you know, a big herd of them down in Arizona. And they is can... Is herd the proper term? That's what I would call them. Clan, herd, group. A bushel? Uh, you can call yours a bushel if I, you want. I used to have a bushel <laughs> of leopard geckos. Well, I, I don't them. think there's a word for it because they're not... Um, they're they're not, not a pack animal. Exactly. So in the wild, they're not forming right. these, so um, they wouldn't. That word wouldn't be used for them. So scientifically, they'll be referred to as a bushel from from here on in. Fine, we'll call them <laughs> a bushel. Bushel of Chelonians. <laughs> but they lay dozens and dozens of eggs. Whereas going back to the example of <laughs> <laughs> dozens of eggs, of course. Yeah. Um, but going back to to John's example of the spider tortoises I work with, they lay one egg. And their shell, their their plastron, and and the the um, posterior um, area of their plastron actually has to soften so that they can lay their eggs. Right, that being their the, egg. the under right, their the egg. underside of the shell um, to the layperson, the belly. So, so it takes that much work and that much time and such a delicate thing, and they lay right. one egg, and they're rare to begin with. And now right. you've got these sulcatas that are set up in these big bushels. Thank Bushels you. Sulcata, yeah. <laughs> Big, down down in the southern this is, states. These are these are scientific terms, people. You don't, <laughs> if you can't keep up with them, you don't have to really worry about it. And, and they're laying so many eggs, and the, that's why the reptile shows, even up north, are so uh, these these animals are so readily available. They're so cheap, and if you're getting smaller species like Russian tortoises or whatever else, then that's because they're imports, and that's why they're cheap. So you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for, and you should really research a lot because there's probably a smaller species out there that you don't know about yet. That you'd rather have, that would right. fit you better, and now you're working towards conservation. Right. If you're if you're a turtle or tortoise person, it's all about conservation. And a, another part of that too is that when, especially when you're beginning, you may not be a turtle or tortoise person yet, but you will be. It's like you know you get a, you get a tattoo and you realize, hey, I want another one. That's usually how these things work, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's true. Um, you know, you, you want to start with something. You know, there's a reason that there's there's labels as beginner species. Intermediate species and expert species. There's some things just have very specific needs. You should know that before you've made a purchase and before you've, you know, you've added a life to your life, basically, because that's how you have to look at it. I mean, I'm, we can be, that may sound pretentious, but it, that's what it is. You're, you're responsible. You're responsible for something else and the way that the quality of that thing's life. And that is a good uh, segue into another segment that I wanted to talk about. Um, just keep keep things a little lighthearted around here. We don't want to get too uh, too <laughs> Trelawney excited. Um, that is lizards in cinema. We're gonna call it. That's um that's the name of this uh, this segment. Lizards Wonderful. in cinema. We're gonna come up with something much uh, much funnier um, for that uh, for the title of that segment. Anyway, um, there is a, a movie that I saw recently, and Tony, this is I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hop right into this, and I want to hear your your specific opinion. The movie is called The Queen of Versailles. Okay. It's a documentary from 2012. Well, you already know I haven't seen this. No, Just you, by the title. You, you have know not. It's, seen a, this. it's a, right. It's <laughs> not, it is on Netflix. Okay. Um, so any of our viewers that would like to, our listeners, um, check it out. It's directed by Lauren Greenfield. Um, it was a very interesting movie. Um, basically, long story short, just a quick summary. What it is, is uh, they, they follow uh, the Siegel family, uh, and they are... Uh, real estate timeshare magnates and they have they're basically portrayed as and in in my opinion they're kind of villains okay um 
as far as they build this enormous mansion and have a ton of kids and it's based after the the palace of versailles where the king of france lives okay and they put it in orlando I, that goes out saying that there shouldn't be a palace in orlando outside of the magic kingdom i was gonna say yeah, i mean that's, that's even the, I, when the magic kingdom is pushing orlando is not a palace place but having said that <laughs> sorry anyone um, from orlando this right well, if you're from Orlando, then you know. <laughs> um, the how this connects to reptiles is that there is one scene, and this is I was I was back and forth on if they were just kind of being portrayed poorly, or if they really just were careless people that were you know had a, a a boatload of money that they didn't know what to do with and didn't have any concern for the things around them. And then this scene happened where. The, the the mother is walking, you know, marching around the house looking at things, and she comes up to this tank, which is a twenty gallon, with a lizard in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lizard was a Malleuromastix, and she starts to talk about the, you know, the, she's talking about all the pets that they have to this documentary crew, and she goes to give the something to this 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 Malleuromastix that's supposedly owned by the daughter, and it's dead. The animal's dead. The animal's and this dead. Is a documentary, so Do- this isn't. Yeah, no, it was not stay. It was been. It's just been living. It's been sitting in the tank dead for months because no one. Just they, they were like, they, she went to the daughter and was like, "Hey, ja- Josephina or whatever her name was." She's like, well, "How come you? What's going on with the lizard?" And she was like, "We have a lizard," and it was her lizard. It was her lizard. It was her lizard. So they just have been sitting. They just let this poor thing sit there underneath with no. There was no lamp, no heat lamp. There was no food or water in the tank she went she was like she was like oh he looks like he's sleeping i'm gonna go get him some water went and got water and brought it back because there was nothing in there and then like picked it up and it was like you know it was like a it was like a porcelain wow it was so it was that's when i officially knew i was like all right they had some shady stuff they had screwed a lot of people (laughs) over but when you saw that is when it really touched touched your heart right right, exactly you're neglecting a poor malleuromastix beautiful animal and um that's if you're if you're you know if you want to really get mad at someone at the cinema, go see Queen of Versailles. Yeah, now this 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 movie, which he's given you the title and told you it's on Netflix, just so you can go and, and feel bad about life for uh, a couple hours. Well, it's I mean it's it, it's worth watching. It is a good it's a good documentary. Yeah. It's very interesting about you know it's about the the housing crisis and boom is basically what the you know the okay. general how that went up and down and the you know the people's lives that were affected. But um, if, it kind of makes you think, you know. You're if you're that that poor Euromastix, you, you could end up in so many great homes. Yeah, but you could really end up in so many bad homes right. too. And that and that, like I said, that harkens back to you need to be thinking about the life of the thing that you're putting into your house. And and it's honestly, how many people really do? We've all been guilty of it. I, right. I really believe it. That right, and that's these animals we both are so have, long lived. Right, right. we so we both have have probably mistreated animals in our days because when you begin. You just, just you don't have a lot of information, and you're just kind of interested in it, and then it, tur- yeah. it slowly turns into, you know, realizing what you're putting an animal, you know, the, the environment that the animal's in is, you know, either fit or not fit. Right. Um. So that was that. That was uh. That was lizards in in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That was a guitar riff. Lizards in cinema. Um, <laughs> like a Hot Wheels commercial. It was. Yeah. Yes. Um. So check it out. Queen of Versailles, don't um, or don't check it out, or don't check it out. I just told you, which is which is what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's everything, what I'm going to do. I'm going to not check that. Probably out. Probably not check it out. That's fine. <laughs> it'll, it'll make you mad. It'll make. I've you got mad. other things on my list. Okay. Yes. 
All right. So, um, in continuing on with our yeah. with our our main topic, we're gonna we're gonna round it out here. One thing that I I hadn't brought up because you know we talked about Chelonians, turtles, and tortoises. Um, the first three on the list obviously were well, if you remember, leopard geckos, bearded dragons, ball pythons. Right. There is a reason why these things are so successful in this uh, her- herpetoculture, and they're just everywhere. Um, there's a reason for that. Uh, basically, they stay pretty small. Um, leopard geckos stay extremely small. They can yep. be housed in small quarters. Uh, ball pythons can, you know, there's all these rack systems, which I know you snake people know plenty about. Right. And, and there's, you know, there's interesting morphs of each in uh, Reptiles Magazine. Bearded dragon with no skin. And, um, well, is it just muscle? Well, it's it's you know what it is? it's it's not no skin. It has skin. I I, sh- I said that wrong. Uh, it it do- it lacks the spiny right. skin, and it's basically just soft, like maybe just the layer that would be under there or whatever. Okay. So I like, didn't re- like I didn't KFC, but it's not crispy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's original. Exactly. Everything's trying to come out with it with uh, with new healthier options. Right. It's an organic <laughs> dragon. But you know these animals either lay a lot of eggs or they lay leg- eggs um, often. As uh, um, with the leopard geckos, right? And that's they, a natural progression into owning and breeding. Breeding is is a fun part of it. Yeah, because then you get to have little baby ones of the thing that you already like enough to have bought. It's an amazing accomplishment, an amazing right. feeling experience, yeah. when you can have those eggs hatch out and and there's new lo- little baby uh, versions of the animals you love so much, and you're responsible for those for those animals being on this planet it's at least partly responsible mm. um it's it's an exciting experience short short of laying an egg of your own <laughs> which i'm sure would be amazing which i can only imagine as males we'll never really know what it's like <laughs> to give birth but or lay an egg or lay an egg yeah that's um i think that that, that is a good it is a, it's a, it's a special feeling it is no it is no, a feeling. no john here is was a history major uh, he's very good with ge- uh, geography. Um, would you say the majority of people in this country live in a colder climate? Uh, I would say that the, the most highly populated areas of our country is the East Coast. You know, the from Washington to Boston yeah. in that range. There's a, you know there's specific terms for that that area, but that, that would probably be those are the most densely populated areas of the South and the Midwest and the the Far West uh, are 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 less. Okay. Populated, and those are the places that are most conducive to having a lot of other, a lot of the larger species. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. As for instance, the African spur thighs that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a lot of land in Georgia, then you should probably not have, um, you know, a sulcata because it's just not right. conducive. And that's something that you learn right. slowly but surely. We had in, in our and when we were living together, how many African spur thighs did we have between us? We had I, probably five, right? Yeah, probably five. Um, we made sure they all found good homes, but guess what? We live in the Northeast. Guess what didn't stay with us for the long haul? Right. You know, it's just it just doesn't work, and right. and it's very, it's extremely heartbreaking when that time comes, but it it's gonna it's gonna come, and and you know I, I we had heated houses outdoors for them, and and so many other things where right that's just, yeah I wouldn't I don't want you I want anyone to think that we were just like they were just walking around our house. They were very I mean we went to great lengths to make them a part of. The environment and to make them mm-hmm. have you know they had the habitat that they could thrive in we took them on walks and <laughs> that's probably to help our cause 
But we, you know, we, we, we did <laughs> right. We tied them up by the neck <laughs> and dragged them with us to class. Um, <laughs> no, but that was you know there's there are options. Mm-hmm. There are options. There's things that, you know if you have a big backyard in the Northeast and are prepared to build a terrarium and have you know whatever like the, there's there's options. You just have to research it. Mm-hmm. You have to know what you're getting into, which is the, I think the main point of what we're trying to make yeah. as when you're looking at an expo and you're looking to buy a new animal and that goes for experts too that goes i mean i would call i would say that our we can now consider ourselves experts we've had many different types uh, of reptiles throughout our career and you know we still before you get something you have to look into it and know what you're what you're getting into otherwise it won't be good for the animal right it won't be good for you to be or for yourself for you. right that's true because um, our heartstrings can only take so much play. That's true. Where I was going with that um, geography point was, yep. if you're if you're in a climate that's anything but one of those hot spots in our country, like Florida or, right. or Arizona, you know Texas, or, yeah. you know then then you really should be there, you really should be researching these these cold tolerant uh, or small species and right. and. Um, there's a reason why ball pythons and leopard geckos and bearded dragons are so popular, and the reason is you could breed them in a basement in the Northeast right. with great success. Right. You know, we knew a person, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, it, we, I have I have friends and contacts that have thousands of turtles right. themselves. One person with over a thousand turtles. Guess where they live? You know, they live Florida. in Southern Florida. Yeah. You know, or and and Florida also worth worth mentioning. Connecting to before, one of the most lax. Um, law-wise, they have not the most lax, but there's a lot of more. Thi- you know, there's a lot of more interesting things and a lot of things that can be had and sold and all that there. Well, one thing I see a lot is a lot of people have ESA animals there, endangered species listed animals, right. uh, federally listed on the endangered species by the Endangered Species Act. Uh, there's a lot more of those in Florida. When and was that enacted? I can't remember. Ooh, Tony. Yeah, We'll look it up for you. Nineteen seventy-eight. Most of most of those things began happening in the seventies. That was when the big boom. And we might we might do a show on on the, the laws and specifics. But the main the main uh, the main thing that that law um, that that law stipulates as far as keeping goes, as far as it relates to keepers, is those animals can't cross state lines for but you know they right. can't be traded across state lines, sold across state lines, only gifted. So that means they. Let's let's be honest. Some of these rare species, they're not just going to give them to you. Okay, it does happen, but usually those people have been, you know, friends for for years before that happens. So um, a lot of those species stay in that state, and Florida has a ton of those. Now we're seeing a lot of a lot of those in California popping up too, which yep. were probably gifted years ago and then right, were right. established there. But um, I know you know we see a lot of that with Florida, but. Um, I also, and where I was getting at, there, uh, we had a friend who had ball pythons in New Hampshire who had around a thousand snakes. So, I mean, that's just a basement. So you can't do that with other with other animals right. that you may be interested in. So if you really want something to grow and you want something that'll work, you just it makes your job so much easier when you could come when you can research the animal and its needs and realize that I can easily. You know, I can I can easily take care of that and and be comfortable knowing that I'm providing my animals with a good life, and that this isn't going to have to come to an end because it's going to get too big. You know, there's there's baby alligators all over uh, the Rhode Island Craigslist. I see all the time. Right. Come on, Rhode Island. So, right. it's you know, um, it's sad to see. Is is there anything else to, to that you need to 
need to add or finish because we're going to wrap this topic up now. There's always more I want to add. There we'll is save more. it for another time. Okay. Um, so I, I think that just what I what I think we both want to say in wrapping up, um, if you're going to an expo, no matter what level of uh, hobbyist or keeper, reptile keeper you are, find something that's conducive to your environment and to the animal's environment, and then you can find a lot of really cool stuff that is conducive. If you're living in the Northeast, you can find stuff that you can do here and make that your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of trying to reach beyond your beyond your means or thinking you can stretch something out or I'll, I'll spray them ten times a day. No, just <laughs> you don't. There's not enough moisture here. If you're looking for, you know what I mean. Just find a thing that you can handle and then just go as hard wholeheartedly into that as you can. And that is the you know what has been most rewarding for us. And I think that that's kind of the the point of what we we wanted to say, right? Would that be absolutely that well well wrapped up? How did I do? Beautifully. Okay. Um, I think that is going to do it for us today here uh, from the Pondcast. Uh, I am John. I'm Tony. And we this has been brought to you by theturtleroom.com. Please visit the website. Check out, um, we, we, if you're interested, we, we mentioned a few of the videos uh, are, are up about uh, spider tortoises uh, and also Pacific Pond Turtles. Pacific Pond Turtles. Those uh, are a few we just got done and, and we're working on more. So there's going to be a lot of content coming out. Absolutely. So if you're interested in this, uh, also let us know. Hit us up on uh, on email at Anthony. Anthony at theturtleroom.com. At theturtleroom.com. Whenever you're listening to this, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. We're going to edit all of this out. <laughs>